Michael Waits Media, telling Asia's stories. Okay, we're on. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today should be a good one. Today we are joined by Evan Spitema. Did I get that right? You Evan did. Spitema? A co-founder and the CEO of YGGC. And Irene Umar, who for some reason wants to be on all my podcasts, has come all the way from... Indonesia. Indonesia to be here. Also a co-founder and the country head of YGGC in Indonesia. Is that right? That's correct. Thanks for coming. And thanks for doing this on really short notice. I really appreciate it. So we've had you on. You did. You did. I can't resist the charm, you see. So you <laughs> have to be here all the time. Nobody <laughs> believes that, by the way. Anybody who's met me in person knows charm zero. Evan. Yes. It's very nice to meet you as well. And I'm really glad to have you here. Can you give us a little bit of your background for some context since the listeners already know know Irene? I want to know more about Irene. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Don't worry. Oh, dear. Two against one, though. (laughs) (laughs) I I live here in in Asia the last 20 years. I've been doing business here mainly in video games. Uh, Worked for a small Seattle startup at the time called PopCap Games. They made Bejeweled and Plants for Zombie, those kind of really casual games. Yeah, but those are games that everybody knows about. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so they were expanding into Asia, and they were looking for people to help with that expansion. So I, I became their marketing director for APAC. During that time, I just was fascinated with Southeast Asia, uh, because mainly at that point, I had spent most of my time in China and Korea. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, right? Korea is is a hotbed for gaming as well, right? Yep. Yeah. And where else did you live in Asia? Philippines, Singapore, Singapore for about five years. Oh wow. Uh, Japan for a short time. Really? Yeah. Where did you live in Japan? Osaka. Osaka. Oh, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> yes. Why do you say it like that? It was great, but I, I actually moved there to uh, spend some time with my brother. And he absolutely loved Japan, spent nine years there. Got it. And what was he doing there? Everything. Absolutely everything possible. You want to ex- elaborate a little bit? Uh, well, he started his own company there. He, he went to university there. So your brother went to university there. I went to university there as well. And I was in Kyoto when I went to school. And if he was in Osaka, wow. I'm guessing he went to Kansai Gaidai. Absolutely. So now you know you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Right? Did he go on an exchange program? Uh, he did. Uh, he did. So and where was he going to undergrad? Uh, Eckerd College. Eckerd. Got it. Okay. So you have to know this. So you can't make it up, right? Like you can't fake it. That's true. But I was just thinking, that's why this morning that girl was saying arigato to you because you, you sent off that oh, Japanese you think fly. so? Yeah. Maybe it's seeped in from yes. your brother. I don't yes. know. Okay. And where do you live now? I live in Taiwan. And how long have you been living there? Uh, close to four years now. Got it, got it. And what are you doing? So you're in Thailand from Indonesia. You're in Thailand now from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here now? Well, we're here to be in the podcast, right? Yeah, we, <laughs> we've all come here for <laughs> so this. So you just you flew in. <laughs> yes. You just came you. right into the Seven Peaks office just to be on the podcast. Indeed. That's the charm that we we're talking about. Uh, there's nothing I can do about <laughs> it. Nothing I can do about it. You're the co-founder and CEO of YGGSEA. Maybe you can give us a little bit of background on what's going on at, at YGGSEA, why it was founded, right? It was originally founded in the Philippines. So we've had Gabby mm. and um, Beryl on the show yes, as well. As a matter of fact, I've spoken to Beryl twice because I had her on my FinTech podcast a year ago now, probably, if that makes sense. And then I had them on together on the main chain. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so... Um 
I have known Gabby for quite some time back when I was with PopCap and then later Electronic Arts. We would always go to the same conventions together. And then when I was with Unity Technologies, he was also using Unity game engines. So he was a, a, a partner of ours. And then after that, I had called him up and we were just, he, over dinner, he had told me, you're with Unity right now. I'm working on something. I'm not going to tell you what it is because Unity's going to steal it. And then they're going to just go mass, you know, mass market with it. And, and I, so I'm not going to say anything, but I'm working on something. Maybe this was maybe six months later, uh, I had heard about his success. And what that's the YGG success. That's though, right? the YGG success. So when you say you hear about the success, was this the capital raise from Anderson Horowitz? Or just the fact that the game was growing really fast via what the Axie Infinity stuff. Yeah. It was it was more about the the whole genre, the the play to earn space was taking off, and so I said I I catch me up on this. Yeah, but I, this is interesting, right? Because and we've talked about this before. Yeah, we did. You're a banker by training is probably not the right word, and I love this story. I love when we were doing the last recording. I was like, why? And you're like, well, my parents don't want me to be in gaming. Yeah, of course. I mean, which parents, right, would None. like their kids to be in gaming? Well, None. except for Evan. I would you be okay if your kids are in gaming? I I you would be okay, actively right? now train them on See. on crypto unicorns. I love it. How old are your kids? Six and nine. Okay, so they're real kids. They're not like one and three. No. Nope. But here's the thing, though, about gaming. You can say whatever you want about it, right? Yeah. It's very different than it was, first of all, thirty years ago. Yep. Right, like when. Space Invaders came out. It was a little bit mindless, not that challenging. But you even knew back then, right, when Atari started developing these games. And tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah, not at its, wrong. No, Definitely but at its core, not. at its core, though, right, it's computer programming. And if you're a really great programmer, you should be a great gamer. Indeed. Is that fair? Right? Yep. And actually, if you're a great musician, you should be a great gamer. Think about it. Because what is, what is music? It's math. It's math. Math, creativity, coordinations. But what, what did you say just now earlier about Space Invaders, right? Mm -hmm. Those games might be mindless, but it actually mindlessly coordinating. You know, you train your coordinations through those games. This is well. the reason why I bring it up, though, right? Mm -hmm. So Space Invaders actually got harder as you went along, right? So at the beginning, it's just like, ch -ch 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 -ch, and the rows go back and forth. But the longer you do it, the more complicated it gets. Right? Yeah. Pac-Man, same thing. Yeah. You have to really think to do this. So I think this is the thing. And remember, every generation has this. So, right? Don't sit and listen to the radio in the 20s and 30s. What are you doing watching television like in the 60s and 70s? Right? And then in the 80s and 90s, it starts with why are you just spending all your time gaming? Mm. The, the difference, though, actually, is people that were really into radio became like radio operators. Yep. Right, and people that were really into TV became TV producers. It's the same thing, no? Anyway. Interesting. It's interesting what you say about the, the linear projection of, of difficulty in games, right? Go ahead. And that was one of the things that I found interesting at PopCap was it was always, it's not linear, it's, it's, it's more like a hill. Yeah. And as you, you, it's supposed to become more difficult and then that boss battle and all of a sudden you feel like I've gained some new skills and it starts to get easier and then the ramp up comes again. And it's just, it, it's that emotional play, similar to what you were saying about music. But this is a metaphor though, 
So think, just think about what you just said, right? And actually, I'm going to re-explain this in the context of starting a company from scratch, which is what you, one of the things that both of you are doing. So tell me that at the beginning, it feels a little bit easy. You just do like the basic things. And then you just go up this slope where it's like, you must be kidding me. How can I push this rock up that hill? And then when you get there, you're like, okay, now we're going. That was easy. That was easy. <laughs> and then you feel like you have new skills. Yes. And then you're like, oh my God, I got to do this thing again with the rock? No? Yeah, yeah. Every, every new game is like that. We've now launched 10 of them. 10 games, man. 10 games. Wait, so, so why did you just launch their own games? Oh, sorry. We've made investments in, in games and then made those available to our scholars. So tell me what this is like then. How does this work? So every, you, you think you have it down, right? You, you start off with Axie and then you, you go deep in Axie and you learn about the breeding programs and the science behind it all. And then, okay, I, I've got it down. For it as well. Yes. Right. And then, you know, you're making, you're making investments in games six months, nine months before they even launch, right? So at that point, when you're making that investment, from the time you make the investment to the game launch, things drastically change. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so some of the, the, the NFTs that you've purchased that you think are permanent now have uh, an energy to them and they diminish over time. And you're like, what? I didn't know this. And they're like, yes, well, we've changed all of that. So tell me why, though. So before a game launches, I can purchase an NFT that's available for that game, or is it interoperable and I can buy it in another game and then move it into this new game? No, this is game-specific NFTs. Yeah. So what, what we as a guild try to do is buy as many as those as possible. So by the time the game launches, we can just give them immediately to our scholars and have all of those players come on board. Right, so you're all actually pre-investing in the yes. assets in the yeah. games. Yep. And why do you do that? One of our missions is to eradicate the barrier to entry for everyone to come in. So the more assets mean the more impact we could create. And that's why just now I, I mentioned, I, I need to touch upon this, when uh, Evan was saying that we were rolling out 10 games right to date, mm -hmm. And I said that, yes, and we also create a robots for it. It's not the robots to play, but it's the robots to manage the number of NFTs that we have. What does that mean, though? To automate the system. So, for example, if we have 10,000 scholars, right? So 10,000 scholars means 10,000 people. 10,000 people who are playing, who are for playing, example, or right. 10,000 game accounts, however you want to, to, uh, to say it. But yep. th th if let's say there are 10,000, it means there are 10,000 wallets involved, right? So with 10,000 wallets involved, imagine if it's Axie, which means it's at least 30,000 30, 30, yeah. uh, Axies that, that we have to manage. And so we need a bot around it to manage the assignment of the accounts, the withdrawals, the entire back-end process. And that's only with one game. Imagine we have rolled out 10 games in the last six months, and we have, at the moment, 65 more to go. 65 more games. Yes. So you've rolled out 10 games already. And how many wallets did you say were playing Axie, at least in this example? I mean, just an example, if we have 10,000 people playing Axies, and in each... Uh, so they need three Axies to play. I just want to get an idea, correct. right? Yeah. So, so that's there's 30, a multiple of three, 30,000. Which means you've got to, you can't have humans managing the interactions or at least the... Well, we can. This, the humans won't sleep. Right. That's my <laughs> point, though. Well, because it's global, yeah? So what do you do? You create robots. 
We have we have a system. We call it the bots. But uh, what they do is they help us to automate the assignment of the accounts. The assignment. Yeah. Okay. But why are you assigned? Go ahead. So it's it's like the account creation. So a new scholar comes on board. Mm-hmm. A new scholar comes on board. We we need to create that that new account and assign three axes to that that account. Okay. Now that player then wants to play something else, and now we have to take back those the axes and assign them to someone else. Let's make it simpler. Imagine you have... Let's do a one-person universe. Can we do this? Let's sure. do a one-player universe and a multi-game. So I come in and I want to play. I have a crypto wallet, and I, you assign me, the robot assigns me three axes. Yep. Yeah, I play the game, I do my thing, and then I don't want to use those axes anymore. Yes. So what happens? We have to we means activate withdrawal active, of that account. YGG activates withdrawal, so it takes it away. Correct. And then I can go play another game? Yes. And when I do that, then what happens? Then we have to assign those assets temporarily to you. You play those that game, and then once you're done, we bring them back. What if I want to buy the assets myself? You could. You could go out onto the open market and buy it at any time. So this is part of the tokenization of the game, though, right? In other words, I can go out and buy an Axie or buy an NFT that Absolutely. exists in any kind of game. Yes. But one of the things that you're doing is you're buying them yourselves yes. and then renting them out to other people who can't necessarily afford them, Yes. right? And if that happens, is there a way for me to earn enough money when I'm playing so that then I no longer have to borrow them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that then I can buy them myself. Absolutely. You both seem happy when I said that. Yes. Of course, because Why? we always encourage uh, scholars or our gamers, right, to graduate. We call that a graduation. Because we are here not, not to just let them to play the games, not just to give them additional sources of income, but to introduce them to the new metaverse of play to earn. If they could be financially independent and go out and buy more assets, what we could do is we could reassign the accounts to someone else and create more impacts. While this person could potentially earn enough income to become their own micro guilds and create So that's what impacts. I want to know. That's what I want to know. So if I, let's say I don't have an, enough money, mm-hmm. but I want to play, yep. I can borrow. Right, and if I earn enough, then I can buy my own. Then I don't need to borrow from YGG anymore. But now, what do I become? Like my own sub DAO? You don't become your own sub DAO. You become in within the YGGC ecosystem. We call them the alumni. So they have two options. Do you want to continue to be active? Because a lot of them have strong attachment with the community, right? And they are very active with the committee members. And they're like, I want to continue helping. And they know we have tons of games being rolled out. So they'll come to us and say, I've got these assets. Can I play other games? And I'll continue to help the community. So what do they do? They take the assets that they own. And is it like a lending program? Do you know what I mean? So the guild is a lending program. Absolutely. At scale. At scale. Okay. And then you're, you're free to purchase NFTs on the open market and play them. It's just the amount of money that you need at that point to buy the NFTs. So can I ask you this? Can I buy an Axie? I, I'm not a yes. gamer at all. Mm-hmm. We need to transform <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but again, for no particular reason, because I'm just not good at it, right? But let's say I think that I want to ha- own some Axies because I think that there's a lending market out there that is active, right? Or any of the other games. We can get to that in a second. Can I just be like... And I look at everything because I worked at Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. I look at everything from a, like a stock loan, stock borrow perspective. You can see where I'm going with this, right? You're like, oh, I hate these people. I really do. Is there a no, dumb- I don't. I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you feel the love? I can feel it. 
<laughs> I can feel it. I'm ducking now from being punched. But you understand what I mean though, right? Yeah, I do. The whole point of, like some people just buy stocks so they can then lend them out to other people who want to short them, yeah? There's a whole business around this. But is it the same thing in, in the NFT and crypto gaming world where I could just buy some assets and then lend them back out to other people and earn a return that way as well? That's actually on our roadmap. We were just discussing that. Yes. yes. So we'll be disclosing more about it. But in, in general, right, anyone could do that. Mm. But why does YGGC becomes the guilt? And that's why we have the infrastructure to do it at scale. Right. Because anyone out there who's listening and who are inspired, for example, to create impacts, you could do so. You could just go to the marketplace, buy the axes, just try with 10, 20 wallets, and let me know what you think. <laughs> uh, because this is where the bots come into play, right? It, it's not only bots, it's this overall backend technology that you would have to trust those 10 people because you would you don't have any technology protecting that asset. So when you give it to them, you're giving it to them. They could then take it, sell it on the open market, do whatever they want with it. But with us, that asset, it, that NFT asset is actually protected. They cannot sell it when we give it to them. Because you've built an entire back-end side of your business that actually manages all that stuff. This is what you were talking about before. And this is why I like to have these conversations. Because now I have an image in my mind of all the guys in the back office who are doing the stock loan and stock borrow business. And that's kind of what the guild provides. Not the only thing, of course, but that's one of the things that the guild provides to the players is that we'll take care of the loan. We'll take care. We own the assets. We keep them on our balance sheet. Yep. Mm -hmm. And if you want to use them, we'll lend them out to you. Correct. And we'll also track it. So this is what the robots are doing at some level, right? It's just going, okay, we've allocated these three to Evan. Mm -hmm. Evan's playing. He's killing it. He's earning. Part mm -hmm. of that earnings comes back to me for all the infrastructure and stuff that I built. That's how you make money. And when I'm done with it, I give it back to you. Yes. Just like with a stock loan and a stock borrow. Yep. Indeed. Another thing is that we monitor it and we give a reward system. So if anyone are really good in playing the games and they are very active in the community. The keyword is being active in the community. What does that mean though? Uh, meaning if, you know, you see new kids in the block, right, who just come into the Discord and they are lost. Do you help them or did you, do you not help them? Right. So there are a lot of communities who are very talkative and we can, we can, we can have the statistics of it from Discord and from our system to see that. And so for those who are very active in helping out other people and have the time to do so, right. we would give them additional games to play with, which means additional stream of income for them, additional exposure to a new Go play ahead. to earn games. Yep. And uh, that's how we built up the entire community. And so they see us a little bit differently because we've been rolling out games like, like nobody's business, right? <laughs> and so for them, it's, it's no longer grinding because last year, Michael, a lot of people feel that play to earn games are... It's, it's grinding. It's not fun. That's, that's the general myth that people have. So it becomes this thing that they have to do. Correct. Almost it, like a job. Correct. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. But at that time, there was only one choice. And not everyone in the world like you know, one type of game. Different people have different types. If I ask uh, Evan, what type of girl do you like? Michael, what type of girl do you like? It's definitely different. Same thing goes to games. And that is also why we've been rolling out games so that we can provide selections to people. And so they would work and they would... Yeah, you're trying not to laugh, right? I'm trying not to laugh because there's this... 
you know, Evan and I like smiled at each other, right? Mm. Because there's this there's this recognition of like, and I used to say this to my buddies, like we'll never have to fight over girls because my taste is completely different from yours. Yep. Right? I'd be like, yeah, yours, so I don't care. Like, go for it. And the you know my buddy would be like, really? That's what you that's what you're interested in? But it's the same thing with gaming in a way, right? It's yes. like actually not interested. Yep. But this thing, mine. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And you got nine other to choose from that have rolled out but that are you, active. So here's what I want to know though, right? How do you know what game to invest in? And we got, and we you got have the your magic studio? oracle yeah, sure. crystal. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like how do you know? And like do you do you so there's a there's a company in Korea called GTR, yeah. Right, and GTR invests in games. They're running like a game investment studio. I had one of the founders, I think, on the show, and then there's that other guy. I can't remember his name, the German dude. Anyway, you're laughing. Anyway, but I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter to me. German I hope dude. he's not listening. <laughs> Pontus, I think his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter to me. But they like go out and invest in game studios. But I don't think they're doing crypto games in the same way that you are, right? But how is are you running an investment business? Like, I'm just trying to figure out, how do you know? If I'm a game developer, if I'm an indie game developer, do I come to you and go, hey, Evan, I'm doing this thing? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And what if I'm not building a crypto game? Is there a way for me to go, wait a second, I could do this instead and then add that functionality into my game and then you can help me figure out how to do that kind of thing? There are, there are a, a lot of Web2 games that are now adding the tokenomics for play right. to earn. Right, 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 right. And at that point, yes, absolutely, we're interested to speak to them. But that's... That's uh, typically, we, we see about 80 games a day, or 80, 80 games a week is what we review for Play to Earn. That's at least. At least. <laughs> but where are they coming from? All over. All over the as Southeast Asia as well. I mean, our mandate really is to focus on Southeast Asian de developers. Developers, yeah. Right. We want to grow the, the scholar uh, market as well as the developer market. So in order for that ecosystem to thrive on both sides, we need to invest on, in both of them. Got it. And that's, that's also why Solana, ha we have a partnership with Solana Gaming, right? Because one of the things that, if you look at the entire ecosystem of play to earn, when you create the games, it's not just about game creations. When you throw in play to earn into it, you got a choice to make. Do you want, which chain do you want it to be in? So in Southeast Asia, I don't think a lot of people are, truly exposed to the choices that they have. And that's why we partner up with the likes of Solana, for example, so right. that we could be able to share the technical know-how to the people on the ground. And that is also why we have grassroots uh, presence in each and every country, so we can become closer. Like, Michael, I've done this with you three times, but this right. time around is different because we are physically yeah. in one studio, yeah. right? And so that, that's the thing that we want. And think about it, we haven't run out of stuff to talk about either. Like, Precisely. this is not a re no, but we, this is not a repeat of the conversation we've already had. And the more I know, the more I want to know kind of thing, yeah? So if you're investing in all these games and trying to build out an ecosystem of game developers in Southeast Asia, which is what the C is, yeah? The last time I checked, yeah. Yeah, but you say that, right? But for us, we know. We take it for granted, right? Fair yeah. enough. Yeah? Yes. It, it's almost like if you're from New York, you can just go, yeah, I'm going to go to Brooklyn. And it's like, well, you know what Brooklyn is. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to get on the F train or whatever, right? <laughs> you know what it is, but the rest of the world has no idea, Shoot. right? And one of, the th one of the reasons why I do this is because I want to inform Right, and you know, Garena changed their name to SEA. Yes. Yeah. And I just thought, like, why would you change your name, your whole name to, like, is it C? Is it SEA? Like, it's just so, it was so confusing to me at the time. Garena, I thought, was a great name. 
right? It was highly differentiated and easy to pronounce and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, you need money to do this, right? And we know that YGG in the Philippines raised, I think it was like five million bucks from Anderson, Andreessen Horowitz, which I thought was kind of cool. But that's not enough to invest in if you're seeing 80 games a, a week, a day, a week. a week. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's what we review. I we understand that, but but you're not investing in them. But you're rolling out 10 more, and you said 65 more? 65 more. <laughs> I won't At hold least. you to it. If it's 64, you're not going to jail. And if it's 66, you're not, like, under I, I think more is going to be added, <laughs> like... Probably. As of last week, we had invested in 76, 76 projects. Yeah. Uh, we have 10 games that have already launched, and the remaining, they're all launching this year. So that's the rocket ship that we're on. But that's an insane schedule. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, the so investments like to, are not stopping. No, so. I, I don't imagine that. I like to joke about, um, like, you can see me, right? I don't look like I'm 19, but I always joke like I'm really only 23, but it's the stress that makes me look like this. Anyway, <laughs> wait till you get here. Oh, oh believe me. I just <laughs> said, one of my good friends kept rubbing my eyebrow and he was like, what's there's something on your eyebrow. Like, I was no, like, it's no, not. those are, those are gray hairs. Right. <laughs> yes. I completely understand. But the way I look at it is at least I have hair. There you go. Yeah. Being grateful every step of the Very time. grateful. Where does all the money come from though, to invest in all these games? So the original seed uh, funds came from IVC and YGG. Right. And then after that, we launched in November. By December, we raised another $15 million. Okay. And that came from leaders in crypto as well as banks. It came from all over. Are you seeing, what's the right word, like a secular change in the way that people are not just invest, investing in games, but investing in... I don't even want to call them projects anymore. They're businesses, yeah? In crypto-related businesses. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you did this five years ago, you know, it's a bunch of people that nobody ever heard of before. But now, when Goldman Sachs starts investing in crypto gaming, mm -hmm. it feels really mainstream to me. Are you seeing this as well from your side? I think it's fairly true. I mean, we've had banks uh, come on board, UOB, BRI. BRI. Uh, they, that's Indonesia's second largest bank, 80% yep. uh, owned by the government, and YGGC was their first crypto investment. Wow. And they're just looking at that great market of 74% of Southeast Asia is unbanked, and they yep. want them to come on board. And that first step is always MetaMask. And from MetaMask, it's directly into a bank account. That's what they want to see. Got it. You were going to say something. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that I think GameFi accelerates the adoption of DeFi. For sure. That's just This was the point I was trying to make earlier, yeah. but go ahead. And the reason why, why that happens is because if, if two, three years ago, people are hesitant about it. It's, it's the same thing as five, six, seven years ago for ages, right? Where people are on the side looking at gaming and they're like, this is something that I really want to get into, but I don't know how. Right. Right. Especially the boom of esports and their own kids at home doing esports. And they're like, what is this animal? I don't get it. And there's no bridge to, to help people to get there and understand it or how people play, how people earn money. With DeFi coming in, GameFi coming in, there's income involved. And so everyone else are sitting on the sidelines thinking, I've always wanted to get into crypto. I've always wanted to get into gaming. 
And now, boom, Game 5 has the best of both worlds. Right. In a way that that <coughs> it's not easy to understand, but it makes slightly more ch- more cha- uh, more sense right now. And what we try to do, and we always say that, right, we want to be that friendly face for anyone who comes in because each of us, Evan, I'm sure as well, we remember the first time we opened our MetaMask wallet and we want no one to experience like that you know it's okay to feel that you don't know because we all started from there and it's fine you're not alone don't feel stupid it's okay and we want to be that friendly face for everyone out there can we go back to this idea that i was talking about before where you know when you listened to the radio it made you want to either be on the radio or be a radio producer or make your own radios and that when tv came out it made you want to be a tv star or be a producer and it's, it was the same thing in the you know 80s and 90s with, with games. But now, because we're all connected, and esports is a really good example of this as well, again, if you go back to the early 1900s, even the baseball teams that we root for were like just traveling carnival shows. And you got to be sure that the parents of those kids were like, you're in a carnival? <laughs> but today, those guys, and they're mostly guys, are making you know $40 million a year. You can argue about whether it's a great way to spend your time or not, but you can't argue about the economic impact that it yes. has on people. Is that fair? That's that's really fair. Tell you one story, Michael. There was a uh, there was a couple of our scholars, not only one, right? A couple of scholars. The moment they they get their first payout, they give it to their parents. For sure. The first reaction the parents have is not saying thank you. <laughs> it's like where did that come from? Exactly. Did you gamble? Did you steal? Everything came and said, you got this from playing games? How is that even possible? And then, boom, come the second month, the parent starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this, but this, is, this is the point I'm trying to make, is that everything that's scary at some point just becomes normalized. Yeah. And I was talking about, I was talking to somebody who's in the insure tech space last night about my daughter. I have a, I have a 20-year-old daughter, 21 this year, I think. A good parent gives their kids rails, right? And I was saying that outside the rails are like drug dealing and human trafficking and prostitution, the things I think that we can all agree are bad. But inside there is kind of everything else, mm. right? And as long as, like you said, and maybe gambling, but depending on you know where you stand, gambling is kind of okay, right? But dep- it just depends, Poker right? Poker game is a sports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, also, like in the U.S., they're they're legalizing gambling in almost every state. To I mean, FanDuel's a thing. Sure. Right, whether we like it or not, it's a thing. But the point is that, you know, if you said I'm going to go play baseball <laughs> and earn money, your parents are like, "What are you doing?" Mm. But today, the combination of GameFi and DeFi is a real thing, and it's never going away. It's a perfect marriage. Yeah, but it's not going to go away. It's not. It's right, and esports, I think, is the same way. And at some point, all of these things are going to combine, and then in 20 years, we'll look back on this and it'll really feel quaint. I think, like people didn't understand, first of all but we're against it, mm. will seem kind of weird. No? Yeah, and I think, I mean, this this could seem a bit philosophical, but I feel that this is a tool for humanity to really combine passion and purpose and a job together. That That's that's my personal take for it. Right, so one of the things that we were talking about downstairs before we came up here was, why do I have this room, right? And the idea... And we haven't really mentioned, you mentioned MetaMask, but we haven't mentioned the metaverse really at scale yet, right? Yeah. But if we're going to exist in a virtual world going forward, and I don't think it's an if, right? Because one of the things that COVID forced us to do 
was learn how to be remote. Yep. Whether we liked it or not at first. But that's going to be the way we interact, I think, from now on. So the idea for me is to build a bunch of places where people can behave remotely and look great at the same time and sound great at the same time. No, because in real life, right? No, it I'm matters. smiling because you, you switch the camera so you can check yourself out. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, to show you the difference between what bad online looks like and good online looks like, right? Because it matters. But that's all going to get normalized. And if that's normalized, if, we're gonna say, if we say to each other that we're going to exist in a virtual world, well, gaming is the entry point to all of that. Yeah. And decentralized gaming is the entry point to all of that. Because, again, once people get used to it, then when they exist in that realm in their regular life, in quotes, it won't seem weird. Yeah, I, I was just having this conversation about a month ago with my, my good friend. He, he was watching me with my my nine-year-old son, right. and we were going through, and, and I was teaching him how to actually stake, claim, everything. And he's, he went home, and he had this conversation with his wife, and he's like, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, you know, with a kid <laughs> to teach him about cryptocurrencies. And then he just, and he came back to me the next day and said, you're preparing him as a, as a parent for the future, and he said, this is the future. He's like, you're doing this correctly. He's like, now I've got my daughter. And I'm teaching her about MetaMask. And, and, and she's also uh, playing crypto unicorns and, and, and going into the, the dark forest to get to her uh, unicorn milk. And they're, they're actually learning about different uh, chains and uh, every. Uh, all the various elements that you need to know about the metaverse. Just because welcome to it. welcome to the modern world, right? Yeah. And I think it's it's um, it's luddites. I think they're going to get left behind. And you can argue about well, is gaming a productive thing or not? We talked about this earlier. The same dude and gal that were sitting like playing Space Invaders is now Aaron Byersman, who's now building things for other. But whether you yeah. love his games or don't, it doesn't really matter, right? It's just that. Or even Thomas Vu, right? Who was like, what was it, Epic? At Epic Games, I think? I can't remember. It doesn't matter to me. But the point is that like, these are very highly productive people, but started off just like sitting downstairs playing Atari. So we can argue about whether it's productive or not today, but we know where it's going in the future. And you're right. You've got you to gotta prepare your kids for what's going to happen next. Yes. You know, my parents took me when I had like $5 to a bank when I was like six years old and said, open a bank account. And so what's the difference? No? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my, my son's like, so, can, Dad, can I buy those Legos? And I was like, okay, did you do your chores? Did you get collect your unicorn mail? Right. <laughs> like, literally. Right. Have you staked anything? Yeah, like, all this kind of stuff, exactly. right? Exactly. So talk to me about your idea. What, what is an idea? What's the difference between an IDEO and an ICO? What's the significance of it? Why would you do it? I'll pass the technicalities of the difference between ICO and IDEO to Evan, but I'll talk about the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you so, always do this. <laughs> I have the mic in front of me. I have the best guru to learn from, a.k.a. you. So <laughs> the reason why we do IDEO, right, because we see a lot of people sitting on the sidelines saying that I want to be a part of this, but I don't play games. Right. And I don't have time to go and stake, send my unicorns to the dark forest and get unicorn meal. Right. What do I do? And then that's one. And then second, we've got a whole bunch of scholars who are, who are now starting to learn, 
right? How to invest and how to choose and pick tokens. And they have always been a part of the community and a part of what we do since day one. So the purpose of the IDO is to open up opportunities to everyone, to the community who have been a part of us since day one, to own a piece of us. And so let's just say what the IDO stands for, for people that don't know. Evan, the boring stuff, as usual. No, no, go, go, go. I want, can I say? Go, go for it. Initial decentralized exchange offering. Yes. You're right, yes. Go ahead. Okay, so go ahead. So you're doing an basically... It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take part in the historic moment within the crypto space <laughs> where the first batch of C tokens is minted. And what does that give you, though? So let's say I participate in the IDEO or somebody uh, You should sound a bit more excited after that one-line speech. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, so if, if you own a piece of that, right, you're being a, p a part of, obviously, the first batch of the mint, uh, but also it means that you are a part of something that we're going to build. Okay, I'm, I'm sounding very, very vague over here because we haven't uh, launched an article on the roadmap, uh, but being a guild, and you di did a deep dive on what a guild business is. Yep. Being a guild, this is the beginning of what YGGC is going to build as a part of the entire ecosystem. Go ahead. We want not only to become that friendly face for people to be onboarded into the metaverse, but we would like to be the front runner of developing the end-to-end -end ecosystem and connecting the dots through collaborations so that it's, it's an easier journey and a more pleasant journey for everyone. But also an inclusive journey. An inclusive journey. I mean, isn't the whole point of the IDO to, yeah. is to share ownership in Absolutely. the... Web3. Yeah, that's the whole point, though, right? That's it's to share point. ownership in the success or failure of the communities that you, that you yes. join. Right, so you're not just joining for nothing. Yeah. And, you're, and if it does succeed, you get to participate in that success. This is the point that I want to make, right? right? And that is, if I participate in the IDO, it could fail. Did but you? as a community member, I actually have agency to help it succeed. And if it does succeed, I'm not just sitting in the stands rooting for the Red Sox, which all good people do. <laughs> I see the point. That's a joke between the two of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I'm actually benefiting from the wins and the losses that, that occur. But I think this is the point you want to make. Yes. Yeah. That's entrepreneurship 101, though. It is, though. But for people that don't understand what that means, right, yeah. it's important for them to know that, like, it's, there's a selfless part of this, right? So, again, I was having a conversation with the guys who run semiotic.ai. And one of the things that they do is they run simulations to understand whether the behavior of any particular project is selfish or pro-social. Mm. And the idea is the more pro-social you are, right? If you look at any of these tokenization models, the more pro-social you are, the more likely that it's going to be successful. Yep. And that they do this analysis on it using AI agents and, uh, you know, to, to before these things get launched to understand how pro-social is this? Because if it is, then the people that participate in the IDOs will benefit. Yes. That's important. Definitely. It goes back to the, to the basic theory of, of the universal law, right? The more, the more you give, the more you shall receive. Uh, so when I first joined uh, from the YGG community, what I had heard is we didn't get on board fast enough. We weren't able to become part of the YGG DAO, because when they did their token offering, 
it was sold out in 21 seconds. 12. Or I read 21. Oh, really? Yeah. Because so I, I was trying to click on that button and 12 seconds gone. Okay, okay. Go on. It's <laughs> just the same number in a mirror. Uh, it, uh, there you go. <laughs> and um, so when, when we started to look at our launch, we, we started to think about how can we get the community involved and how could we draw this out for as long as possible to allow everyone, no matter where in the world they are, to participate. So that's why we chose copper. So bots perform horribly on copper. So what does that mean? In other words, you're trying to so prevent automated people, automated uh, mechanisms from participating before humans do. Absolutely. Go so ahead. the way copper works is the the price continues to escalate as de- as there is demand. The moment people stop buying, the price decreases, and you'll meet your market price in the end based on that equation. Okay. So what we have right now is we've gamified a little bit of this process because we didn't want all of the rewards going to the whales. Right. Because it's it's anathema to what Web3 is supposed to be, right? Right. If it's really decentralized, then you don't want concentrated ownership because then it's meaningless. Yep. Absolutely. Go ahead. So then we, we said, okay, we'll, we'll have a leaderboard. Now will be a, a, there's a main leaderboard. But every six hours, we're going to have our daily leaderboard. And we're going to give out a lot of rewards on our daily le- leaderboard. And every six hours, it resets. So no matter where in the world, when you're, you start w- waking up and you want to participate, there's an opportunity for you to get on the leaderboard, Got on it. the daily one. Okay. And... What we're doing is pushing a lot of the rewards into that daily reward system. Okay. And how does that benefit the people that are participating in the IDO? They receive additional rewards based on their their tier within the leaderboard. What does that mean, though? So the reward is more tokens for them. Absolutely. I just want to make sure that people understand. In in summary, right, in in typical uh, IDOs, you buy a whole bunch of tokens. If they are leaderboards, you have buy a whole bunch of tokens and you need to be a whale in order to get some uh, bigger rewards, right? Yep. So for, uh, what we try to do is, like what Evan said, we break down the leaderboards to measure it every six hours. Okay. So every day you have four slots, four opportunities to get to the top. And it's not top three, it's top... 500. 500 people. Could, could get there and reap more rewards for it. Okay. So what we do is we distribute the rewards as much as possible, as much as we possibly could, to the communities who might not be able to invest like like the whales do, right? right. So it's about giving opportunities, equal opportunities to as many people as possible. So each day is essentially a pool. Yeah. Think of it as a pool, yep. and you've got 10 million coins to give away on a daily basis. So the faster that people, and within that six-hour period, the faster people get on board and start staking and locking their coins, yep. they're going to be gathering from that pool of 10 million coins per day. And is that going on now? That starts Monday, May 9th. 9th of May. So it starts the 9th of May. 10 p.m. Bangkok time. Yeah. 10 p.m. Bangkok time, which is what, 9 o'clock in the morning New York time? No, That's the other 11 o'clock in the morning New York time, I think. I I can't I'm remember. Horrible with time 15, conversion. Yeah, fifteen hundred UTC. 
<laughs> That's a good save. <laughs> For all of you Greenwich Meridian time people out there, <laughs> it's 15 p.m. UTC. I love it. Yeah, and I we do it for five days, right? Because, uh, like you asked a good question just now, like how does it work in copper launch? So a lot right. of people never participated in copper launch before. So I haven't. Yeah, so it, and there are a lot more out there that yeah. have never even heard of copper launch. Right. So we we put it as five days. So we enable people uh, the time to learn and understand how it works. Okay. So this is D Y O R. Manifested. Do your own, do your own research. <laughs> do, your, do your own research, and you have the time to do so without missing out on the window of opportunity. And does that mean that every day is different, right? So, in other words, if I like miss out on something on Monday, I can come back on Tuesday, and it's like a brand new day. The leaderboard refreshes, That's so the I'm reward program refreshes. Okay, but all of those that staked, yeah, for, of course, for day one, they're all automatically staked for day two. So, what does somebody do who hears about this? but doesn't even have like a crypto wallet. How do they participate? Go to our Medium articles. We have the step-by-step -step guide on how to do that. It's okay. the same questions that our scholars give us, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, how do we participate? And so we, we, we share our knowledge on how to do it. That's why in the Medium article that we have published, it's very, the how-to is very step-by-step. -step. Okay. Yeah. So we can link to that in the show notes if people want to participate. And that's okay, yeah. Okay, what else do we need to know about this IDO? I think it's the first step of our token moving from a governance token to a utility token. Okay, and how big is it going to be? Like how big do you, it's a five-day thing? It's a five-day event. And how big is it going to be? Do you have any idea? The community will know. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll know when it's done though, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and you expect it to sell out in 12 or 21 seconds every day? Like I don't know how it works. We're placing 30, uh, 75 million coins out into the market for purchase. Over a five-day period of over time. Over a five-day period, which so is 7.5% 7 of a, the, the overall DAO. 7.5% of the overall DAO. Okay. And the beauty of Copper Launch is, uh, because it's a price discovery system, right, where the, the movements of the price is dependent on the supply and, uh, the supply and demand. And so if we've set it for five days, it will not be sold out until day five. So well, it's fifteen million a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing the math. This is billion tokens, so we haven't times it by the dollar. The dollar, we don't oh, know. I tried uh, to go yeah. to the temple this morning, Michael, and I couldn't get the answer for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the money size, I don't care about. It's fifteen million tokens a day. Yeah, it's because that's seventy-five million in total over a five-day so period of time. So you went to the temple. What did we you, went to the I, temple. I know, but what did you... I mean, there were two locations in that temple, right? And you were supposed to pray for different things. You weren't in the temple together. No, we were. We were. Did you go to separate places in the temple? There, there were two locations that we went to. Everything had to follow a, a certain path. Got it. And we were supposed to... We, we even saw a fortune teller and uh, we had to <laughs> Not pray. by choice. <laughs> Not we, by choice. Our, our fellow... Uh, co-founder Richie is a tie he really believes in this so uh, we all came together and and went on this journey with him and fair enough in certain certain locations you're supposed to ask for certain things okay oh, I'm dead consistent uh, Evan I'm super consistent because, because I only have one focus and one focus only in my heart which is YGGC 
Fair enough. Come I on. like the way you pointed at the heart. I know. Look, this T-shirt. But is not. Like I'm talking about your beating heart. I mean, the heart you were running around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> you pointed I directly you were at about it. Logos. <laughs> yes. You you prayed for the same thing in both locations. Of course, it shows consistencies, and the seriousness, right? Mm, okay. Someone wants to go back to the temple now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, what, I, what kind of temple was it? It's one of the Thai temples. It's a Buddhist temple, though. It's yeah. a Buddhist temple. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And it's almost like praying for merit. I don't know what you'd call it. I'm not a strict Buddhist, but yeah, okay, fair enough. In one of the locations, you're, you're supposed to ask for something. Specifically ask. That was the first one. Okay. And the second one was on the day, May 9th, oh. what do you want? was the second one right i was very specific on both i say it out the name and i even remember namo arahang okay i'll read to stop here <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna stop at the end of the temple experience <laughs> I they, they, they were they were like uh i swear to god i remember this but when i was younger but i totally forget it right now i guess i got a mite scare yeah i mean there's a little bit of stage fright when you're on the microphone let's do this let's finish here this was really great Evan Spitema, great to meet you. Co-founder and CEO of YGGC. Irene Umar, you keep coming back. I think you'll keep coming back as well. And Evan, we should have you back again as well. Irene, the co-founder and the country head of Indonesia. Thank you both so much for doing this today. Thank you so much for having thank us, you. Mike. After we finished recording this episode, Irene, Evan, and I just kept talking and we wanted to record some of the things that we were speaking about. Please listen to the bonus part of this episode right after this. Thank you. So let's uh, let's come back from the temple and then back into the rewards program. The temple was interesting. I've been to Buddhist temples. You don't know this, but when I went to Dosha University for my year abroad, mm. right? You, we were talking about yes. Kansai Gaidai, right? But when I went to Kyoto, I mean uh, Dosha, they took us up to this uh, Mount Koya, Koyasan. And we spent a weekend in living in this temple like wow. a Buddhist monk. And we did something called Zazen. I'm not familiar. It's a, it's a special sect of Zen Buddhism where I think you're meant to experience a little bit of pain. So you're meant to sit straight, right, for as long as you possibly can. And the monks will walk around with this stick. And if you kind of, if you're Taisei, what does that mean? If the shape of your body varies from what they think is the right way to sit, They'll take that stink They'll and beat you up. hit you. <laughs> wow. Now, if you're lucky, they hit you like right on that muscle in your shoulder blade that feels really good. You're like, maybe I'll just move a little bit. <laughs> it's like an unanticipated massage. But anyway, it was great to be at the temple. Let's talk a little bit more about the rewards, though, right? You're saying, remember, I asked you before this whole point about like everyone's supposed to benefit from it, right? Right, right. So how does that work? So this is, we haven't released anything just yet about this. Go ahead. Uh, but when we think about a our community and how we can get them more involved in what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Go ahead. We think of the governance token as really ownership of the sub-DAO and being an owner of that sub-DAO, how can we show that appreciation to the owners? And so we started to think about what is it that we, we create and of course, there's a scholarship program that people benefit from, but it's also derived from our investments in all of these 76 games as of this week. So 
So if I so if I participate in the IDO, I own the games that you own, at least a piece of it or something. Yeah. So what we're what we're doing is re, we're launching a a project that's never been done before on the open market, where those that participate, they stake and lock, they will also be able to receive tokens of the games that we invest in. So as a reward, as a special reward to those that participate in the YGGC copper launch, mm -hmm. if they purchase uh, if, if they purchase and, and lock and stake, they will receive nine game tokens for those that are on the leaderboard. And those are just for the existing games? Th th these are the nine games that have, and there may be more by the, by the coming months, right. but these are nine games that have said, we're willing to give our tokens to your community as a reward. As a reward. And why would they do that? Because they love us. <laughs> yeah, but it's more than that, though, right? Why would they do it? Of course. It? I, th I think, uh, Evan, please add to it. Uh, I think there are values that they see, right, that we are creating. Essentially, our community is also their community. Our scholars who play their games are also their community in the end of the day. So is YGG trying to create its own kind of neighborhood in the metaverse? Or its own metaverse, you know what I mean? I think we have a long way to go mm. to build out the ecosystem. But you understand what I mean, though, yeah, right? Absolutely. In other words, because here's the way I look at it. We talked about this earlier in the conversation, but if, there's, if we can create a virtual world, right, if we think we're going to exist virtually, and I have this theory that governments, as they exist today, based on geographical borders, are going to get nervous because people will organize around interests, mm as opposed to mountains, rivers, and oceans, which is how they organized before. And if we want to get really philosophical, where you put yourself in the metaverse is almost like where you put yourself from a religious standpoint at some level, right? I believe in this, or I believe in that. Hopefully nobody dies in the metaverse for that. But, but the point is that if we're going to organize that way, well, it just means that if I can create enough people that believe in what I believe, I can create my own community. And if that community then is functioning in a tokenized way, well, then that's my own metaverse, right? And my citizenship, again, in quotes, in that community can then be governed through a whole bunch of different tokenization models, which gets back to the semiotic conversation we are having before about what is the pro-social behavior or the selfish behavior that exists inside that metaverse, which can be controlled through tokenization? No? You touch on a lot of points that I'm trying my best not to drop too much alphas over here. And I know that Evan, the wise one, is, is forming his thoughts. But we mentioned this. We dropped this to the community a couple of months ago when we said that. Because a lot of people ask us, right, what is YGGC batch for other than looking good? And we told the, the, I was about to say we told the universe, but we told the community that that is your passport to the YGGC metaverse. And so far, we've been saying that, yes, YGGC is a guild. It's a sub-DAO of YGG, and it's a guild. But all I can say is that this is the beginning of the ecosystem that we are building. And what you said is a glimpse of it. Yeah, this is why 
people either really enjoy talking to me or really don't enjoy talking to me because <laughs> they're like, I'm why, smiling are you, why are you exposing my roadmap? And I'm not, I'm just no. curious. Yeah, man, yeah I, I mean, the, the guild really is the just phase one, right, of this roadmap. This is the onboarding of scholars. These are onboarding of people into the MetaMask. Once they're there, there's various uh, verticals that can be created around the guild to further support that that supporter's journey into the metaverse. And that's what we'll be building out. It, it's it's a it's the, the core functionality of the guild will continue to expand. We're expanding into four, uh, three more markets this year. We'll be covering every single country by 2024. We'll have community centers in each country in Southeast Asia. Right. And along with that, we're going to start building out uh, a, a very robust ecosystem around this guild. Got it. I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. Don't look at me, Mike. Okay, I think we're done then. Okay, thank you again.